Hey, Tim. Great to hey. see you again. Good to see you again, too. Uh, I like that you're still still repping the Libertarian Party shirt. Always, gotta, man. Always. Yeah. Got to promote. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about, you mentioned last time we chatted about, you know, how you had these like pretty intense Christian uh, ideas and then you really started to question it and it led to a bit of depression. So if if you'll let me kind of talk about how I came to libertarianism, it, it kind of yeah. doesn't directly parallel that. But I think I'd like to get into, you know, how difficult is it is to change your, your core beliefs and principles like that. Um, yeah. You know, so I was very much bought into uh, I was pretty far left wing, generally speaking. Um, and I really thought government should, I thought government was the solution to everything. I thought that, you know, NGOs and stuff only existed because when government wasn't doing a good enough job and things like that. I really thought government was the solution to everything. Um, and I, I I don't really know why I thought that. Like, I'm, I'm someone who cares a lot about people. I really right. wanted people, I want everyone to do well and I want everyone to have the supports they need. And I just had only ever been taught, in my opinion, that government was the way to do that um, and that, you know, rich people were selfish. And I don't know where I got that message. Um, but the way I carried myself, I was very much that, like, um, you know, kind of intense leader, right? I was always a, a leader who who had strong ideals and strong values, but I'd never really questioned some of my core beliefs. Um, and it was actually you know, when I graduated university, I started to kind of question everything a bit. And I, I really started to need to, you know, look at my own beliefs from from a mental health point of view. Like, so I, I became libertarian quite naturally, actually, when I started to assess my own psychological well-being and, and my spiritual well-being and read about first principles of how can I be my best self. And, you know, we touched on it right. last we touched on it last well, time. Well, a bit. Can I interrupt yep. you for a second? Because I'm curious yeah, about this. Um, you know, so so it sounds like you came from kind of leftist culture, I guess, for mm -hmm. lack of a better world, right? This idea that yeah. government is a committee of virtue and that, um, yeah. you know, it, uh, you, it sounds like you really cared about people and, and that was your biggest concern. Like, yeah. what do we do about these people that are suffering? And, and obviously, you know, it just goes without saying that government has to be involved. And who are these kind of heartless right wingers and libertarians yeah. who don't want to who don't even care about these people? And um, that was even one year ago. I, I had a, my objectivist friend on one of my episodes and I believed I was saying that, you know, everyone should have free mental health services from the government. I, I believe that strongly. And that, that was just a year ago. And my mindset's completely shifted. Right. Well, I guess if you have certain assumptions about the world, that that would make a whole lot of sense, actually. Right. And, uh, yeah. Because, of course, who wouldn't like everyone should have access to mental health. I mean, that I, yeah. I want to see that, too. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but so but but where do you think you're um, so it sounds like you have or had some depression or struggles with yeah. mental health. Do you think that came from something about um you know, the, the culture of leftism that you came from or something like that, because I, I often wonder, you know, I, I mean, and I admit I'm, I'm in a bit of a bubble, right? Because I see uh, right wing people all the time on my feed. It seems like libertarians are more lined up with the right for some reason than the left in a lot of ways. And so all, all I see is kind of uh, people deranged about the left, right? That they're, mm. 
that they're unhinged and that they're not mentally well and that they're yeah. screaming on the streets and, and all this kind of stuff. But what's your experience been like? Is, it, is there anything, so it, any connection to that or? So it's funny you say I, I consider myself a left wing libertarian. So because right. like because there is this idea that uh, libertarians don't care about people or, or, or right. and some don't support social programs and things like that. Um, but I um, but anyways, yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't actually thought about how directly connected that was to the left wing, I, the left wing philosophy, I, I'm sure it, it fed itself like it was a bit of a feedback loop. I struggled a lot with just anxiety generally, like I had some really bad anxiety issues, which were kind of the underlying cause. But then I also I do think fundamentally, I didn't really care about my actions in the short term because I had good ideals. I was right. working on good things in the big picture. And so it didn't matter, mm. you know, the way I had to accomplish it, which I do think is directly uh, related to the left, like the statist mindset, right? Like right. we want everyone to have healthcare. It doesn't matter that we have to rob people to get it. So well, I, and, I'm not and, actually- and sorry, sorry to try, but there's, there's, it almost strikes me as kind of an underlying arrogance in a sense that, well, I know what's right here. I know what the greater good is. And I'm, mm -hmm. I might have to trample on a few people to get there, but it'll be, you know, for the better, I might have to make some bad decisions. Um, but this, this idea that, um, you know, yeah, that, that I have the answer and that if I were just king of the world or something like that, then then I could look after all these people. Right, exactly. And it's everyone thinks that like if they were the, the benevolent king, the world would be right. fine or whatever. Right. And right. so there's actually two things that kind of directly led me to more of a libertarian uh, mindset and libertarian values. One was my experience personally. Right. I, I really bought in and put in a lot of effort to learn positive psychology and how to be the best person I can be. And when I learned those principles, they just I saw exactly how they would extrapolate into the real world. And it was libertarian values. Right. If 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 a bunch of psychologists and psychotherapists and spiritual leaders are all telling me this is how to live a good life, I, I my mind works that it extrapolates and it, it like it loves and lives on first principles. And it just I, I couldn't help but have my mindset in politics change, because if this is what's best for me, then it's also what's best for you. And, you know, I recently did um, I've done a three week mental health program at North York General Hospital and I did a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And both of them were amazing microcosms of libertarianism because mm. everyone is there knowing that they are there for themselves. That's the most important rule. Right. Um, you do not need to enter like you do not worry about what someone else is doing there. And if they're rude to you, it's their thing that they're struggling with. Like you just have to be there for yourself. But we're right. all there knowing that with compassion and that 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 everyone is doing their best. And 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 so it was like it, it's quite, you know, unique. And, and a lot of my peers don't make those connections, but I've experienced it that when I actually have microcosms of these values, um, it works exceedingly well and it's mentally beneficial. Right. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um... You know, I, I, and I, there's so much I could say here um, because, you know, this idea that you own your inner world and that, you know, you don't try to, to get other people to behave differently to fix your inner world, right? That, that, that mm -hmm. happiness or contentment or meaning starts from within, you know, it, it's uh, kind of that stoic idea that, 
the one thing I control about myself is my thoughts. That's the yeah. only thing at the end of the day. And that's something that something someone else can never take away from me and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Right. And that, and that actually, uh, helped me through mental health issues in the past as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm a firefighter paramedic by trade and, you know, I remember <laughs> when, when I first started as a paramedic, they used to do these mandatory critical incident stress debriefings after serious calls. And so you'd have, mm-hmm. and, and I remember my first serious call, right? I'm a new grad paramedic. I trained hard for this. You know, I went to school for, for basically four years and now I'm out in the field and we do this, uh, horrific car accident where there's multiple casualties. And, you know, this is what I signed up for. I signed up mm-hmm. for action and for bringing order to chaos and being the guy that, that knows what to do in those situations and that people rely on and taking that responsibility on myself. Right. And I thought we knocked it out of the park as a team and I felt good about the job I did. Now, yes, there was some people that died tragic, all that stuff, but man, I was, I was kind of smiling and, and excited. I was like, I, m- I made a difference on that call. I did awesome. Um, and then they said, okay, debrief um, in, in the other room right now. So I'm like, I went into this debrief thinking we're, there's going to be high fives all around and we're going to talk about, you know, all the great things we did and some of the things, some of the areas we could improve maybe for next time. And I walked into the room kind of grinning and excited and I looked around the room and, you know, the facilitator had this very somber look on their face and everyone else was kind of sitting there like this. And I realized very quickly that I had the, the wrong attitude for this culture, right? Um, because we're taught, uh, and and this is only growing, uh, that, that we're victims, that we are victims of, of critical incident stress of all this stress that every call we go on is, um, is inflicting harm on our psychology on our, and it's breaking us down and that we need these mental health programs and all these things that they try to sell us to, to rebuild ourselves. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. I you know, I listened to one one after another of my colleagues explain what bothered them most about the call and how they were upset, right? Because the idea was that if you purge, that your your mental health will be better kind of thing, right? That if you get yeah. it out there and, and that if we watch each other and, and watch each other for signs of stress and critical incident, you know, all this stuff. Um, and so, you know, I... I realized I was focusing on the wrong thing and I focused on the dead faces and I focused on the tragedy of everything. And I focused on how I was completely helpless to stop that. And by the time it got around to me, you know, I was basically in tears, authentic tears about what, what had happened. I went from being this excited young guy, you know, thinking awesome. Mm. Let's let's figure out how we can do even better next time to be in this kind of broken shell. Right. And then, and then, you know, cut to a few months later, I had, three kids die in the back of my ambulance in a period of about two months. And, um, and, and I had all the signs of, and symptoms of PTSD. You know, I hit the bottle. I, I had flashbacks. Um, you know, I couldn't talk to my wife. I couldn't look my kids in the eyes. I had anxiety about going to work. I almost quit the profession. And, you know, luckily my employer sent me to a therapist and it was, it was one therapy session and actually one question in that therapy session that that basically cured me like that that took away all the symptoms it it went away and and the I I was going I remember I was I was blathering on about um 
how I was helpless. I couldn't do anything to save these kids. And I got into this profession to save lives and I couldn't even do that. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm useless. I don't, I'm, I'm just not bringing any value to these calls. And, and the therapist said, let me just stop you there for a second. Let me understand if I hear you right. You don't think you provide any value on these calls that you went on. It kind of put me back on my heels and I, I had to think about it objectively for a second, right? And get out of that kind of self-pitying framework where mm-hmm. I, I saw myself as a victim and see, well, did I actually have any power on those calls? Did it, did I? And, and I did. I mean, all the parents uh, hugged me afterwards and, and thanked me for, for trying to save their, you know, there was nothing I could do. They, they were, they, these kids were terminal. They were, there was no saving them. Um, but I realized that had I been in the, their shoes, I would have wanted me on that call. I would have wanted someone who knew what to do, someone yeah. who could explain to them what's going on, uh, someone who who was doing everything possible and giving their their you know, giving my kids the best shot at life, right? And of course, I wouldn't blame them if my kids died. It wasn't their fault that you know an aneurysm burst in my kid's brain or uh, whatever, uh, or that my kid hung himself on a swing set. Um, you know that that so so. So I realized, and, and so that switched off my PTSD because I realized now instead of focusing on all the ways I was a victim of these calls, I was focusing on all the ways I pr- brought value to these calls. And I, I, it was a changing moment for me. I, I looked at my career in a completely different path. And now those same calls, uh, I feel like actually improve my mental health rather than break it down, right? And, and so, again, this is <clears throat> the viewpoint, the, the power of of self-ownership of thinking about what I can control, not what I can't control. Um, and that, again, that lines up very well with libertarian philosophy. And one other uh, analogy I'll give you is years later, um, I was trapped in a basement fire. It was a hoarder's house. And, and so, you, you know, it was up to your thighs and in, in just junk. And I was in this basement. It was completely black. Like, I, so the, we shouldn't have been in there. But the smoke was so thick, you know, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face, even with the flashlight on. Like it was just thick, black, hot smoke. And so just complete sensory deprivation and heat um, and not being able to get my bearings. Right. And our incident commander called an emergency evacuation of the building. He saw conditions changing on the outside, wanted us out. And I was the uh, lieutenant at the time. So I had my two guys follow the hand line out. Uh, and get out to safety and I turned around to follow them and I, I tripped and fell into the uh, mess and I got entangled and I couldn't find my hose and I I ended up deeper in this fire and uh, I couldn't I, I was just lost and my radio didn't work I couldn't even call a mayday and so you know I was just overcome with panic and I, I knew I was going to die and and uh, you know all this regret came flooding into me about all the things I'd left undone in life that, you know, that I wasn't the father I should have been, that I wasn't um, the husband I should have been, that I, I, I was playing small at work. I, I was playing small at life. I was just following a career path that was um, kind of laid out to me by culture and not something that I was charting my own destiny on. And obviously I made it out of the fire, but that moment was life-changing for me that is where I stopped doing things that made me weak I stopped um, 
playing small in life. I became a better father. I started living my values and, and living my life's purpose. Um, and, and it was shortly after that, you know, that I found myself leading a federal party and, and, you know, working with Neil Young and doing all these amazing things. It, it's weird how all that stuff lines up with your mental state. But yeah. the thing I'm going to say is that I still am triggered in certain, certain situations at work, right? So if I'm in a cramped spot or if I have something that, that brings me back to that moment when I was hopelessly trapped and panicked and all hope was gone for me, um, I get triggered. I tense up and I start to feel that panic welling up, right? So I can't control that trigger. But the thing that that radical self-ownership has taught me is that I can control my inner world. I can control what happens after that trigger, right? And I, I remind myself that 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 this is triggered from the, the, the day, the, a life-changing moment that where my life changed dramatically for the better and mm. it switches on another gear and I, I can't explain it, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm actually able to perform better because I'm triggered. I have that momentary panic and then I remind myself of how great my life became after that moment of panic and suddenly yeah. I'm engaging in this call and I'm engaging in this situation in a way that I hadn't before my mind's clear I'm thinking you know 100 miles an hour and and so uh so so you know my daughters now are are going into this field they're they're going they're both uh, paramedics and I'm obviously worried about their mental health I worry about this but not from the calls they're going on but from the stories that they're being told by their school by their culture by their coworkers, by yeah. all these hawks that that are feeding into this idea that they're victims and I, I'm giving them the, the idea that listen in this profession you're going to see people on the worst day of their life um, it's good they're going to be stressful situations and you are going to be able to competently deal with them and that's going to make you more mentally healthy than and than most people have the opportunity to be right it's not going to yeah. break you down it's going to make you a better version of yourself and I believe that because they believe that, that it will be true um, yeah. because of how they show up in the call. And, and again, it comes down to self-ownership and all those things. So I, I just wanted to tell you those uh, two stories because that, that is a big issue I'm seeing in my profession. I mean, I think I, I see it in culture writ large, though, right? Yeah. And this is kind of why I asked you about it, whether you think coming from this leftist philosophy, because on the left, it does seem like the narrative is oppressed versus oppressors, right? That yeah. there's all sorts of victims. And, and uh, so it's very easy to, to buy into this victim mentality that it's not about what I do in the world. It's about what all those other idiots are doing. And if they just listened yeah. to me and did behave the way I want them to behave, then things would be so much better. But yeah. that is a recipe for poor mental health, in my opinion, because yeah. you can't control them. And, and if your happiness... And your um, anxiety and everything has to do with the external world. If it's always out there, then you're giving them all the power and you have nothing to control your own uh, thoughts and feelings and health, mental health with. Does yeah. that ring any bells? Or? Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you sharing all that as well. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to be taken from that. Um, and so in terms of, I definitely agree that that's the culture at large. I don't think that's what was impacting me specifically because I had anxiety from a very young age mm. before I even could really understand that kind of stuff. So I don't know how much right. it impacted me personally, but I think it's hugely impacting the world generally, society at large. Um, and the, it is this 
it's surprising to me, or I guess it shouldn't be, that everyone who claims to care so much about the world and other people, so many of them are so fatalistic, right? They, they, they think like, oh, the world's going to end anyways. Like, what's the point? But we should still use government to fix it as much as we can or whatever. Um, and so, like, it's they're, they're so much more pessimistic as they become more left-wing, it seems to me. Um, and, and I do think, you know, the parallels of me thinking that I know better than these people for themselves, right? Like you even say like, I, I, I talked at some point about how like everyone kind of inherently agrees that small town people and East Coast people are like, you know, nicer and generally more, more you know, fun to be around. They're just gentler people than the people crammed into cities. But the people crammed into cities are the ones who think they know better than everyone. And, and, and that those small town people vote against their own self-interest, right? And like right. the idea that, that you just hear that the left wing goes over and over. And I mean, it's not just the left wing because the right wing, it's it's non-libertarians, let's call it, because the right wing is is basically the same problem now, the Conservative Party of Canada. Um, but it's this idea that, you know, they don't know they need these social programs. How are they so stupid? How 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 can they not believe it? Um, and so that, that brings me to the other thing that led me to libertarianism as, as a principle, you know, I was very involved in student politics as as a university student, and I I I'm I always thought I knew the best, right? So I was president right. of this association, and I wanted to top down, you know, push my agenda. And when people disagreed, I'd get so frustrated and I'd get so angry because, like, I knew the answer. How are they not understanding it? And what ended up happening is I ended up becoming the chair and the speaker and and the one just trying to make sure the machine ran well enough. And and when the machine ran well enough, the good ideas that I, you know, I did think I had good ideas, but I, I realized that I was one of 50 people, not the, I was just mm -hmm. one of 50. And, and if my ideas are actually the best ideas, then the more that the system runs smoothly, the more that those will propagate, right? I have to bet on human rationality and human good intentions. And if I think that's what I value, and I think that's what humans value, then I should allow that to come about. And so that's what led me to kind of media and journalism generally is that mm. idea that that this is what's falling apart. Is, and, and so this is why good ideas aren't succeeding anymore, because the system is is clogged up and not letting free speech, you know, just actually bring the best ideas to the front. Um, and so that's kind of what led me to libertarian values as well, is that the, it, it's so scary, but so freeing to acknowledge that I'm just one of 36 million Canadians Right. I don't I know what's best for me and I can try and say that to my friends. And, and, you know, I think this is what's best for me. Maybe it's best for you. But it's such a different mindset than I was raised with by the culture of I know what's best. And it's not just best for me. It's best for everyone. And, and everyone's right. so self-centered now. And, and there's other issues that have kind of enlarged that. Um, but it, it's it's people have a difficult time realizing that they're, you know, they're not the star of the show of Canada. Right. They're just. Right one of 36 million people. Um, and so that is, I think, that has mentally made me healthier. And it's also, you know, paired with my libertarian, um, you know, shift. Well, that's, that's amazing. You know, when I, well, I, I think this, uh, we, we got on this mental health topic, topic and decided to do this show because I had mentioned in the last episode that I was, um, that I went through kind of a period of depression or whatever, mm -hmm. when I first, you know, it, it wasn't so much that I discovered libertarianism or, or atheism or something like that. It was that 
I, I no longer had a centering belief system. Right. And, yeah. and this is, um, you know, part of, well, I, the, the problem with atheism is that it's just an absence of belief. Right. And so if you yeah. have your moral center, the thing that tells you what you ought to do next, that guides you in life, um, stripped from you, um, well, you're, you're left kind of floundering and not knowing what to do. It's like, okay, I don't believe in a magic man in the sky anymore, but now what, what do I believe? And what, yeah. how, how ought I to act? I know I maybe shouldn't believe in that stuff, but what should I believe in, right? And libertarianism mm. kind of has the same aspect to it as atheism, right? It's, it's, in a lot of ways, it's an absence of belief in government or something like that. It's like, okay, well, now what, right? It doesn't inform what I should do, how I should live a good life. All it says is that I ought to be the owner of my own life and that you ought to be yeah. the owner of your life. But from there, um, you can start to build the idea of, of what I ought to do, right? About how I ought, what, are, what causes prosperity, what causes flourishing, both materially, uh, spiritually, psychologically and all these things right and it sounds like that's kind of where you went that's where i went with yeah. it um and, and this is part of the the reason why i've kind of switched the focus i think of, of the libertarian party of canada for a little to some degrees from talking about respect my rights don't tread on me to talking about responsibility right and so our slogan in the next election is liberty equals freedom plus responsibility, right? And so it's freedom from coercion plus taking on personal responsibility that creates uh, liberty because it's not enough that people aren't treading on you. Now you have to do something with your life. And what, yeah. what is it that you do with your life? Well, you take on personal responsibility. You expand your realm of competence. You clean your room, as Jordan Peterson would say. Yeah. And once you get, can do that, you expand that sphere uh, to more areas. So I really want to focus on the personal responsibility thing because you know, at the end of the day, it's very frustrating. You can't control the amount of coercion. We can maybe hope to spread this idea that maybe we shouldn't ask the government to do so many things. But whether people adopt it or not, I can't control. But what I can mm -hmm. control is the thing I, I can do, right? I can control the fact that I can go onto the gym and do some deadlifts and that I'm going to be stronger because of the stress that puts me under. I'm going to grow from yeah. that, right? It, just like mental health, when I put myself in stressful situations, if I have the right mindset, I can grow from it, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and so the things that I do in life, um, the responsibility I take on, the, the gratification that I delay for a better tomorrow, um, all these things can increase the choices and the options available to me. And that's another part of liberty that doesn't get talked about, right? Very often we focus on other people limiting our choices, but there are ways that we can actually expand our own choices by taking on personal responsibility. So yeah. I just kind of wanted to, to maybe uh, leave people with that thought. Yeah. And I think personal responsibility is something that so few people have now because they, they have just offloaded it to the government largely for so many things. They don't even think they have to know about it because you know, it's their it's the government's job to know those things and to make sure that they do the right thing. Um, right. And I, I do want to say that, you know, the, the, the base values and not having those are, is at the core of depression, right. And the core of a lot of mental health issues. And so, I was very much just, I wasn't really raised with a religion, so I was just kind of, ra and, and my parents didn't really project strong values onto me, so I was raised by the culture, largely, and, and it took till I was 25 to question the culture itself, and I think that's exactly what you're seeing with this mental health epidemic, 
is, you know, a lot of young people were raised largely without religion. So and, and you know, parenting was very new. They had the Internet. So they learned more from, you know, just research and, and society at large. And so they did get raised by this current Canadian statist society. Um, and that was their value structure. And now they're starting to question it because it's not giving them the results they thought they deserved or things like that. And so I, I guess it did, you know, partially play into my my mindset. And I think it played into I think it plays into most people's now a lot of people, at least that they just they don't have actual well thought out, robust value structure. And they're starting to realize that, which is very, very difficult to do. Yeah, no, it, it is. It, it do, is unsettling. And and listen, I you know what's happening now in politics um, is similar to what happened to me when, when I started evaluating and questioning my view of reality, right? It, it's not about what I'm in favor of. It's what I'm against. I'm against the state. I'm against theists. I'm against these people. That was my identity. I'm anti-government. Mm -hmm. I'm anti-theism, right? And I realized that that was not helping me. That was, that was yeah. hurting me to, to be in that kind of negative frame, right? And, and we see it now. Like to, a left-winger is someone who is anti-conservative. Uh, a right-winger is someone who is anti-liberal. That's how they define themselves. That's how they, yeah. they vote, right? It's not about, I, I want to vote for Sheer because of all these great values and, and things that he's espoused. I'm voting for Sheer because I can't stand Trudeau. We need Trudeau out. Right. And yeah. on the same, it's the same on the other side. It's like people, I, I can't believe that they think very highly of Trudeau, but they just hate Sheer and, and conservatives and they vote against Sheer. And that's why yeah. Trudeau gets elected. Right. So, so yeah. We're I, talking I totally, about people and not ideals. Right. We're not talking right. about ideas in politics anymore. Exactly. And, and so maybe, maybe this is grounds for optimism. Right. I've been a bit of a pessimist in, as to where this political discourse is going and, yeah. and the health of it. But, but listen, you know, if we come through this kind of disillusionment and disenfranchisement and, and um, uh, of the system uh, and, and, and it's unsettling and it causes us to be anti, but then we, we move past that to, to something more positive, then maybe that's reason to hope and maybe we can leave the podcast on a note of optimism. Yeah, I'm definitely an optimist, so I'm happy to, to end it there. So thanks. And I look forward to doing another one. You betcha.